Let us pray. Lord, as we prepare our hearts now to hear the word that is written in these scriptures, we ask that you make room in our hearts for your life, for your spirit to come in and to teach us and to guide us. We ask that these words will be infused with the power of your gospel, that the good news will transform us from the inside out, and that as we spend this time in your presence and in the presence of each other, we will leave this place today a little bit closer to you, a little bit more Christ-like, a little bit further on our journey to the cross. Lord, bless this time. In the name of your precious Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture today comes from Acts chapter 26, verses 1 through 29. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I am going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to attain, as they earnestly worship day and night. And for this hope I am accused by Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme, and raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds and keeping with their repentance. 
For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I've had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, and this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We are sort of at a climactic point here in the book of Acts. In fact, this is the second to last week in our study of Acts. And if you'll remember when we started this, what we said was the church has, uh, has lost its way in, in, in a lot of ways. We've, we've sort of lost what our mission should be, how we should act, how we should respond to the movement of the Holy Spirit. So the whole purpose of the study of the book of Acts was for us to sort of go back to the early church. And see how it was that God moved through the early apostles and through the early saints and how the church was, was formed and how it was born and how it spread. And the hope is to keep it all practical. To read these things, to take them to heart and apply, apply them to our own lives so that we know how to, to be a better church. And so with all of that in mind, we look today at this uh, address by Paul. Just to put this in context, if you were here the past couple of weeks, you, you'll remember Paul was arrested. And for really no good reason, except that he was preaching salvation to the Gentiles and the Jews didn't like it. And so Paul has been in prison for two years. And he has appealed to Agrippa and, uh, and, and is here um, speaking to, to Agrippa. And, um, and, and he's speaking here in defense. And Agrippa tells him, okay... What's your defense? Let's hear it. I'm going to give you the opportunity to defend yourself. And Paul does so by telling his life story. And if you were listening to the, uh, the children's sermon, we were talking about autobiography. So Paul is sort of delivering his autobiography here before Agrippa. Now, at this point in Paul's life, I'm sure this story was very familiar to him, not just because he lived it and and. And knew it, but because he had probably told it at this point several times as a way of witnessing, as a way of testifying of the grace uh, that, that God showed him. And, and we're probably familiar with Paul's story, too. We've, we've heard it uh, probably many times from the pulpit or in Sunday school. But even if we haven't, we can identify with it. Because all of us know, if, if, if we haven't experienced it ourselves, we know of someone who has experienced a conversion like Paul's. Where they were once just, just so far gone and so far lost they couldn't even see it. And then, and then Christ came breaking through with his love and his grace and just transformed their lives. So this story of Paul, this, this, this autobiography that he's giving, it resonates with us. 
We know it as Paul's history, but it's also in many ways our history. And it becomes our history simply due to the fact that, that Paul's life transformed the life and the history of the church. The church exists today because of what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus. And so when we read this, we are reading, in a, in a sense, we are reading our own history. Just like when we learn American history. We weren't, none of us were around for the events that took place in the early years of this nation. But we've all been affected by it. We all live with, within the ripples that, that were caused by, by certain events. And the same thing with family history, with church history. When I first moved to Buena Vista, one of the, the first things that somebody gave me was the, the written history of this church. And it wasn't my history. I didn't know anybody here. I didn't know this town and all. But then just, just reading it, just reading how this, this building came to be, how the church was formed, how this area was selected, all of that, I realized that the church has its own history. And we become a part of that history, whether we were there for the early stages or not. So when we hear Paul giving his testimony here, it's his story, but it also is part of our history. And as we listen to Paul, as we read what he has to say, it also teaches us that our stories can serve greater purposes for other people. Everyone who has ever been touched by God's grace has a wonderful story to tell. And everyone who has not been touched by God's grace, or, or better put, everyone who has not uh, willingly received God's grace, their life doesn't have a story yet. Or at least it, it hadn't been realized, it hadn't been found. Have you ever tried to watch a movie with no plot? It's terrible, it's boring. There, I saw a movie on Netflix a few years back, and, and the title of the movie was Cigarettes and Coffee. And, and I watched it, and, and the entire movie were these two guys sitting at a table just talking while they had cigarettes and coffee. And they weren't talking about anything special either. And after about 30 minutes, I turned it off. I said, well, this doesn't make sense. Why would I waste my time just watching two people talk about things I don't care about? If, if a story, if a movie doesn't have a plot, who would care about it? If your life doesn't have a story, who would care about it? But all of our lives do have a story because God is trying to, to break in with his love and with his grace. And he's trying to give you a wonderful story. And all of us who have been touched by his love have a story. A story to recall, a story to reflect on, and a story to share. Now, on the front of the bulletin, I mentioned a T-shirt that, uh, that was popular back in the 90s. You may have seen it before or, or on a bumper sticker. But there was a slogan, I remember, that was popular for a little while that said, The next time the devil reminds you of, of your past, remind him of his future. Now, that's, that's kind of a, a neat little slogan, a neat little quip. But the problem with that, we call it bumper sticker theology. The problem with those slogans, even though they stick and, and they... Uh, and they Give us a good little chuckle. Uh, if you look too deeply at them, they're very shallow. Because the, the premise there is that you should never recall your past. Now, we should never return to our past that God saved us from. The scriptures say that someone who does that, a fool who returns to their folly, is like a dog that returns to their vomit. We don't want to do that. But we should certainly remember it. 
We should certainly remember where God has saved us from, just like Paul does here. He's he's telling you all the wonderful things that he thought he was doing, but then he's also telling you all the horrible things that he was actually doing. And in doing that, he's, he's pointing there and saying, that's what God brought me out of. And so it's good for us to do that. It's good for us to remember the past that God delivered us from. We can learn a lot by Paul or from Paul as he shares his own story. Because we should all be remembering and sharing our stories too. It presents us with a number of opportunities. First of all, for Paul, this was an opportunity for him to defend himself. Remember, he was being accused of something. And Agrippa said, I'm going to allow you to make your defense. And so what does Paul do? He defends himself by telling his story. There will always be people who have a a misperception about us, about who we are, about our faith. People who will accuse us of being hypocrites. So what happens when we share our story is we're letting people know, look, I'm no better than you. I have a checkered past just like you do. I'm not claiming to be perfect. This is where I come from. This is where God has, what God has delivered me from. And so it acts, our story sort of acts as a defense. It sort of disarms the situation where we're saying, listen, I'm not sitting here in judgment. And that's a lot of times the accusation people will make. A lot of times we, we will think that we're witnessing. We're, we're thinking that we're doing the right thing. But it comes across as you've got to get your life right. You've got to do this. You've got to listen to God. You've got to start reading your Bible more. And sometimes we do that without realizing it. But when we share our story, what we're doing is we're saying, hey, look, this is what my life was like before I received God's grace. Before I was transformed by his love. And so what we're doing is we're defending ourselves. We're saying, I'm not coming at you in judgment. I'm not coming at you saying that you're wrong and I'm right and you need to be like me. I'm just telling you that this is where I came from and God changed me. As Paul was sharing his story, it was also an opportunity to recall a miracle. And all of us who have experienced God's grace have experienced a miracle. It's always good to remember the points in our life where God reached out to us. When I was at Emory, one of my favorite professors was a a, a former Methodist pastor named Dr. Elliot. And Dr. Elliott had us uh, draw out a timeline in one of his classes. He said, just draw a line and write years on it from, from the year you were born all the way till now. Draw this long line, label it with the years. And what I want you to do is do a spiritual biography on this timeline. Some of you might remember we did this a few years ago on Wednesday night service. Uh, and he said, put a dot on that timeline for every significant spiritual experience you've had. Whether it was a prayer that you prayed when you were a child, or whether it was the first time somebody told you about Jesus, or whether you felt a call to ministry, to to service uh, somehow, every time you experienced a, a, a spiritual blessing or a spiritual moment in your life where you felt like God was was telling you something, put a point down. And so everybody did. Everybody drew out their spiritual timeline. We plotted out the points on there. And then he said, okay... I want you to look at that timeline and look at the years that those instances occurred. And what you might notice is that there were a lot of things going on in your life during those years. 
And sure enough, one person after another started recognizing it. Never thought about it before. But started recognizing it, looking at their spiritual timeline and saying, hey, yeah. And they started sharing their stories. They started saying, the year that God, God first spoke to me and, and I accepted Jesus as my Savior, the year that I first prayed that He would come into my life, well, that was also the year that my mother was diagnosed with cancer. And then somebody else would say, yeah, the, the, the year that I felt called into ministry, the year that I decided I needed to go to seminary, that's also the year that my best friend died. And, so, and, and it wasn't always tragic. Sometimes it was wonderful. It was wonderful things. Yes, the year that I started first realizing that maybe God was calling me into ministry was the year that my first child was born. And so you look back at your timeline and you see that in all of these situations, all these circumstances, all the busy seasons, the wonderful seasons, the tragic seasons, God was trying to break through. God was showing you love and grace in a whole new way. Now, it doesn't always have to be surrounded by big events. Sometimes God's love and grace breaks through through the mundane, through the boring times. But I think that if we all reflect on our story, if we all look at our spiritual biography, we can see that God was there all along in all of those moments. And that brings me to the next point. Sharing our story, remembering our story, gives us an opportunity to give God the glory. Because there are times in our lives where we we are living our lives and, and we're not mindful of God's presence at all. We are just, for our own glory, or, or if we're going through something tragic, we feel like we're alone. Whatever it is, there may be times in our life where we think that we are on our own. And we may feel that way. We may not feel God's presence at all. But then in retrospect, when we look back at our story, we can say, you know, I can see how God was there in that. And that thing that happened to me, for better or for worse, it wasn't about me at all. It was about how God was trying to reach me. It was about how God was trying to love me in the midst of it. It also gives us an opportunity to persuade others of God's love and grace. When Paul shares his story, remember, he's giving his defense, right? Or at least that's what everybody thinks. And then he starts asking King Agrippa, what do you believe? And Agrippa says, Paul... Surely in this short period of time, you're not going to try to convert me. You're not going to try to make me a Christian. You're not going to try to make me join this upstart religion in this short period of time that you have here before me where you're supposed to be giving your own defense. And what does Paul say? Paul says, whether it's a short time or a long time, I want to offer this to you. And not just you, but everyone who hears me on this day. And he says, Agrippa, I know that you believe the prophets. And all of this that I've said, my whole life's work, my mission right now, it all is because of what God spoke through the prophets. And it has been revealed now through Jesus Christ. You see, our stories are not just our stories. They are our stories to share so that they can become someone else's story. Someone who may have heard Paul that day, if they were to draw out their spiritual timeline and plot it out, they may say, One of the most profound spiritual experiences I ever had is when I heard Paul give his defense before Agrippa. And God spoke to me through that. One of the most profound experiences I've ever had, me personally, is is hearing uh, a man give his testimony at the church that I grew up in. 
and hearing how whatever he was going through, his troubled time, how he was, how he saw God there in those dark times. And that had an effect on me. That became part of my spiritual biography. You see, our story can become someone else's story when we share it. Our story is always invitational. And finally, our story is a chance to evaluate our own story while it's still in progress. Here's the good news. Your story is not over. None of our stories are over. As long as we are living here on this earth, God's grace and God's love is still trying to guide us, still trying to move us. And no matter where we are on that journey, He's continuing to guide us and to move us. And He's continuing to try to reach out to us in love. And when we reflect on our own stories, we can see not only how far we've come, where He's delivered us from, but we also get an idea of where He might be moving us to. Claire and I don't watch much uh, network television. We, we watch sporting events on TV, and that's about it. But what we do watch is, is Netflix. We'll find a TV show on Netflix, and, and we'll watch it, especially those that you can kind of uh, binge watch, and each episode leads to the next. And, uh, and, and, and if you watch a show like that, uh, there might be seasons one through four on Netflix. And season five, you've got to wait a few months before it comes out. Well, when season five comes out, you can't just start watching from there or you won't know how you got there, right? So what you have to do is you've got to go back and you've got to watch seasons one through four to see how the story unfolds and so that season five actually makes sense. That's why it's important for us to recall our own stories. When we think about the present, where we are right now, how God is trying to speak to us right now, it's important for us to remember how God has brought us to this season. The backstory is important in realizing where we are right now and where God is trying to take us. Recalling our story is a wonderful and a powerful thing. Not because we've arrived or because our story is over. On the contrary, recalling our own story and where we come from reminds us that we have hope for the future. It reminds us of what God has done for us and it gives us a promise that He will continue to be with us and work for us in the present and in the days ahead. Your own story renews your sense of purpose. And in sharing it, you may give someone else a greater sense of purpose too. That's what it means to share the gospel. That's what it means to be called a witness. We are witnessing, we are sharing testimony about how God's love has changed us. And then we offer that to others. What better way to witness than to hold our own story dear and to share it, to have it ready for others when they ask us. And in the midst of doing that, we can ask them, we can tell them, this is how God changed my story. Can God do that for you? Can God change your story? That is what the Great Commission is. That is what the purpose of the church is. That is the sacred duty that each of us have to the world. Let us pray.
Lord, we thank you that we each have a story to recall, a story to cherish, a story to tell. And while we may not know the purpose of our story yet, while our story may not make much sense, Lord, we ask that through your grace and through your love that our story will will start to make sense in light of your glory. We pray that if there is any part of our story that has not been resolved yet, that, that you allow, that you, you open our hearts to allow your grace to continue to transform us. Lord, don't make us shy. Make us bold to proclaim the ways in which your love has been experienced by us. Give us wisdom to know when to share, when to tell, and when to offer that love to others. Make us ambassadors, Lord. Make us witnesses, ready to testify, and always mindful, not just of where we came from, but also of where you are trying to lead us. We pray all these things in your holy name. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is hymn number 156 in the United Methodist Hymnal. I love to tell the story. If you've made a decision of any type today, I invite you and encourage you to come forward and and share that with the church. We would love to hear about it. Uh, As a reminder, the altar is always open for anyone who wishes to come forward and spend some time in, in prayer with God. But please stand if you are able and join us in singing hymn number 156 in the United Methodist Hymnal. We'll just sing the first, second, and last verse. <laughs>